Hey, it's Mark from In The Saddle Podcast. We spoke to our friend and legendary tipster, Peter Finch, about his top 20 horses to follow this season. We were also joined by another friend, Chris Loder, and both pundits had an insightful input, and this is a must-listen, especially the handicap jobs. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And also, leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback, especially on those handicap jobs. Today, we're joined by the legendary Peter Finch. How's it going, Pete? Yeah, it's, it's really good to be called legendary. Yeah, you're doing it. I, I can understand why you've got that status. Um, you're banging out the winners, making people lots of money. So in my eyes, that's legendary. Well, we've got, we got to try our best, haven't we? Yeah, and uh, obviously my counterpart, Lucky Loaders. How's it going, Chris? Yeah, you're right, not too bad. Yeah, you're still backing those winners in France. Yeah, not doing too bad. Actually, Shouting is uh, the place to be today. Had a few winners Judge. there today, so yeah, not too bad. Good. Well, today's episode, we're going to be focusing on Peter Finch's top 20 horses to follow. Obviously, we're on the cusp of the UK racing, starting back up. We've got some big races coming up in the Guineas and the Epsom, some that are mentioned in the list that we're going to go through. And just obviously, let's get the ball rolling here. The first one, Peter Finch, Mogul, Aidan O'Brien. I mean, why do you like this horse? Well, I like it because basically it's, it's, it's a brother to Japan. So whatever it did last year, I felt was, was a bonus think the movement of the what it used to be called the racing post trophy from Doncaster to Newcastle probably didn't probably didn't suit because obviously that was one well by the board in the uh, winner Kimiko yeah yeah that's it yeah and that is that is one that you should keep an eye on this year but when you're doing these lists you've got to you've got to you know I could do we could sit all day talking about 400 horses or, or whatever and you've got to be quite selective mm-hmm. uh, I just think it's a typical improver mogul um, I think it's entered in the uh, in the Irish Derby, entered in the Epsom Derby. It's, it's, it's that kind of distance, I think, over a mile and a half that I think we'll see Mogul um, do well. But Chris has probably got a couple of other Aidan O'Brien ones. And as I said, you could literally give 10, you know, top 20 Aidan O'Brien ones if you really wanted to. It's going to be interesting to see how Aidan starts the season because notoriously... We were just discussing off air that certain trainers, as the season goes on, would start to come in their own. But we're, we're, we're being hit quite quickly now with these classic runs and the, the big group ones and whatever. So I would imagine that Aidan has got has got his sort of horses already, as opposed to previous seasons where obviously the start the season starts in March. And it's not until June that you see his horses perform. So it's going to be interesting to see how these trainers go. I just think... Mogul will appear in some of these big races um, over a mile and a half, maybe even slightly further. And I think it, it is a horse, despite running four times last year, I think it's a horse that, uh, to look forward to. Yeah, I think he could potentially be running the Breeders' Cup. He's got that sort of profile. I think as he steps up, he could improve more. Um, what about you, Chris? What do you think of Mogul and his chances this season? Well, I don't know. I think you're picking from the... Ro- I know you spoke this. Hard to know about Aiden O'Brien's, but I wasn't actually that impressed by Mogul. I know Pete said he's full brother to Japan, which is good credentials in the breeding department. Won the Group 2 Juvenile Stakes at Leopardstown, but I thought his run at uh, Newcastle was quite disappointing, actually. He was quite well fancied. I think he was the pick of 
the Bally Doyle trio, I think. Um, I don't think it was actually a good race. It's normally a good race, to be fair, every year. Uh, Saxon Warrior. Do you think that might have been different if it had been at Doncaster, though? It's hard, it's hard to say, really. Um, Kamiko mm. was a very solid horse last year for Adrian, Andrew Bolden. Um, was was always running top races, and if he if he didn't win, he only just got beat. So he was a really solid yardstick. Um, it is hard to know. Maybe uh, he's by Galileo. They don't always go best on your weather. Maybe maybe they're not quite good for, for that surface. The 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 Aino Brian horse that I would probably have as my number one that I like to look for ne- uh, this year is uh, Peaceful. Uh, we spoke about her in our. Guineas and Oaks preview. I think she's a solid candidate for the Oaks. Got some good form with William Haggis's filly called Born with Pride, who also will go for the Oaks. But with O'Brien's record in the Oaks, um, if it did turn up, I think it's got a solid chance. But it is hard to to know what are going to be the best Bally Doyle horses moving forward. And there might be some that we've not yeah. that we've only seen run once in a maiden and it finished fifth, and it could be yeah. mustard yeah. this season. You know, so it's it's hard to know. So Mogul. Um... Pete and Marcus, one for the notebook, Chris Loder, question mark. Uh, moving on to the second horse of Peter Finch's, uh, a John Gosden horse, being very, very impressive, Palace Pier. Uh, why do you like this one, Pete? Yeah, I mean, we can talk about two and three in, 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 because obviously they're both trained by, by John Gosden. We'll talk about number three in a minute. Uh, I like John Gosden horses that win first, first time out and because I just think he's one of these trainers a bit like Aidan O'Brien actually where he'll tell his jockey normally Rab Havlin just just give it a nice hands and heels ride and generally they, they'll come on plenty for their second run on their second run with Palace Pier and like the one we're going to talk about after I think there's plenty of improvement I do believe he got injured towards the last season someone might be able to correct me um Two months last year, I think the, the win at May, uh, the win at Sand, the debut at Sandown showed uh, that it was a good horse. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he, if he, if he runs him at somewhere like Newcastle, if he can, if he can get a run at him uh, at Newcastle. But I just, it, it might actually be one late for later in the season, Palace Pier, but I just think um, of all the Gosden horses, there's, there's two or three that stand out. And I've, and the second time was really impressive. I mean, the horse was looking around. So there shows there's plenty of improvement there. So, yeah, Palace Pier, Sire of Kingman. So, you know, trips of a mile, maybe a mile two, but certainly a mile will we'll see this one in good light, I think. What about yourself, Chris? Palace Pier? Yeah. Are uh, you with or against? I know. I was all over him, uh, like Pete said, as a horse to follow this season. Uh, already said two out of two. What was quite interesting was uh, Frankie the Tory uh, was on both those rides, so they obviously yeah. rated him quite high, highly. By Kingman as well, like Pete said, up and coming sire. I think he'll follow the same route. I think there's been a bit of gossip that he's going to go for a handicap at Newcastle or something of uh, mark of ninety seven. I think he might be rated. Not exactly yeah. sure if that's correct, but um, he could go for a handicap. And then I don't know if he'll go for maybe a race like the St James's Palace at Royal Ascot. Potentially, or maybe they might wait for a race like the Sussex Stakes later on at Goodwood. But um, I think that's that's where it'll be campaigned. But he he looks like he's got bags of potential. I actually thought maybe he could get maybe a mile and a half in time, because um, the further he went at Sandown, the better. In his second run, he 
he didn't look he looked at one point he might just be in a bit of trouble or he might be in a bit of a battle but once he got in the last furlong he put those to bed and yeah palace Pier's always been in my tracker for this season certainly off 90 off 97 he's certainly of interest isn't he um in a handicap it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if if i mean i heard the same actually about a newcastle potential run it wouldn't surprise me if if, if the genius finds a race for him off that mark and then goes on to, to better things. I mean, they haven't get, obviously, being injured towards the latter part of last season, they're not going to go full steam ahead into a, a Guineas or anything like that. So it, it does seem a perfect, you know, one thing Gos, John Gosden is, is patient. And, you know, if it starts off in a handicap, then so be it. Uh, it depends what price it will be. But I, I think um, throughout the season, it'll be one to watch. And going on, to, I won't preempt you here, uh, Mark, but obviously while we're talking about John Gosden, we've got more... more Donick as well. Have I pronounced that correctly? Yeah, I was actually just looking at the pronunciation just yeah, now. It's nearly as bad as my surname, Pierre. Yeah, that, that one's entered for the for the Derby. And again, a horse which John Dawson is renowned for placing them at places like Newcastle or Wolverhampton. But you, you cannot, I mean, I know it probably beat trees, but the way it won, I mean, it's a half brother to fall to guys. It's um, related to a ledger winner, so you can see it, it, it getting extreme distances as well. And I think there's a lot of improvement to come. It's interesting, Peter. I actually got a phone call yesterday from my Gosden mole, and he was all over this horse for the for the Derby. They're they're very very keen on this horse. Um, apparently, he's working very very well. And obviously, I'm on at twenties and twenty fives. It's currently yeah. twelve to one. I certainly wouldn't put put anyone off and obviously this was mentioned in our previous betting preview podcast obviously with Chris and Jake Russell um the was probably not even going to run in a derby so on the day he's probably going to be a six to one chance I'd probably say yeah and it's also interesting that we don't know yet whether the Irish runners will be able to run I don't know if anyone's got any update on that but you know if Aidan O'Brien cannot send one over for the derby then these kind 12, of 12 to 1 looks good doesn't it Pierre just now I think it's still a bit yeah. of value there yeah, I, I, I mean, I do. It's, it's a horse that fits into could-be-anything category. And from what you've seen towards the end of last year, I mean, I, I don't think I remember as an impressive winner. And I, I, but I know I do accept that it was at Wolverhampton, but, it, I mean, it couldn't have won more easily. The clock doesn't lie. Um, even with the sectionals, final furlong, very, very impressive, going wide and everything wrong. Um, what about you, Chris? Are you still all over this one? Because I know you're, you're keen. You were yeah, keen last week. No, I think he's a, he could be a very good horse. Obviously, Pete's spoken about his lovely pedigree, and it was very impressive, his win at Wolverhampton. Uh, I'd be interested to see what route they take. I, I don't think Gosden would send him straight to the Derby. They have said, unlike the Guineas, that there are going to be trial races. I think Lingfield's going to be hosting a Derby trial, produced the winner last year with Anthony Van Dyke. So maybe that could be... a a pathway he goes. I, I think actually the race for him would be the St. Ledger. I think he's tailor-made for the St. Ledger. Um, yeah. Gosden's got a good record in the race, obviously won it with Logician last year. I think um, I think this uh, horse could potentially be um, maybe the heir to Stradivarius going forward. Um, yeah. I think uh, I think I think yeah, he's gonna want wants staying trips and the further the better for him. But yeah, at the moment, if the Irish don't come over for the Derby, he's gonna be at the top of my shortlist. There might be another horse in here later on that we'll talk about for the Derby that I quite like. But uh, yeah, he would definitely be on the shortlist. 
he's currently a twenty to one chance for the Sin Ledger best price available. I think that's I think that's a great price. I'd rather back him for that than the Derby. Okay, interesting. Loader and Peter Finch have spoken. And moving on to her next one, um, Brentford Hope. This was given by Richard Hughes. This was given a nice mention in the bank preview as well. Uh, what's your thoughts on this one, Peter? Yeah, I mean, obviously horses like this will be in everyone's notebooks. Um, based on the way it won, I mean, Jamie Spencer is not renowned for... Um, what can I say? Not renowned for... For, uh, I don't know, it was first time out, wasn't it? Philip won, wasn't it? Yeah, one one run, one win. Yeah, he's not the kind of jockey. I'm, what I'm what I was trying to get to is the first time out. I just want to double clarify my point in the first place. Jamie Spencer looks after horses. All right, uh, pretty much like we said about Rab Avenue. This horse could not have won more easier on the bridle. I think again we talk about easy winners, and whilst it's great to see them all. Up against each other sometimes you can look at something and think well that's a bit you know um unclear whether what it's be but in this instance i think that new market maiden was actually pretty decent and it couldn't i mean this is going to be obviously the apple of the trainer's eye this season because i don't mean he's got a better horse in the yard than this one and again he'll be interesting to see where this one is targeted i mean it's entered in you know as a uh, Son of Camelot, it's entered in the Irish Derby, I do believe. Is it entered in the English Derby, do we know? No entry, I don't think. Oh, right. well, it's entered in the Irish Derby. So, it's, again, this is an, another one that won by nine, ten links, and it'd just be interesting to see how this one performs. I mean, sometimes the following seasons can be a bit misleading because you see the horse win so easy and then, you, and then they disappoint. I mean, Vizanari is a prime example for Mark Johnson, wins first time out in Newmarket. Wins eight, nine lengths, and then next time fails to do the business. But I, I, I think they'd be very optimistic with uh, Brentford, uh, Brentford Hope to win. Certainly well bred. Um, one to keep an eye on. What about you, Chris? Are you, are you with Brentford Hope? It's, it's a, I'm, I'm a, between a bit of a rock and a hard place with this one. The thing that me, I'm really concerned about is actually the trainer. Now, Richard Hughes, he's done okay since he's become a trainer. He's more of a handicap trainer he doesn't he's not had any listed or group horses really pass through his hands yet so that would be a big concern of mine if he was maybe with one of the more power yards i think they might be able to get more out of him but you have to say i'd recommend anyone to go back and watch that replay at newmarket jamie spencer gave it a perfect ride he was so confident this horse as well was slow away from the stools and the and the further he went the better he got um yeah, I think he, he could be a special horse. Uh, by Camelot, does well with his stairs. Sir Dragonet, Hunting Horn. Also as well, this horse is actually, um, the dam was a half-sister to a horse called Beautiful Romance, who was uh, given Vazirabad, if we remember Vazirabad, uh, some good races over two miles out in uh, Dubai, I think it was, a couple of years ago. So there's definitely stamina on the dam side of the pedigree. Um yeah, he, he could be one, I think, again, it'd be interesting to see how he gets on. He could be, I, I think he could be a ledger horse, maybe. Um, but we have to see, how, we'll have to see how he does. I, I would be concerned about his trainer not maybe having enough experience with a horse of this type. I think you may be able to get a better value because of that, Chris. Yeah, the only thing I would say about that um, is that whilst he's inexperienced, 
he'll, he'll, you know, he's, the way he was a jockey would, would, would indicate he will know a good horse when he sees one. And you do have to start somewhere. I think following up on Christopher's point is that we'll find out that answer, you know, because at the end of the day, he has got, I think looking at the horse and the way it won, he has got an exceptionally good horse. And it will be the test of the trainer to see if he can maximise the ability of this horse. And we'll only find out come the end of the season whether he's been able to do that. But I think all trainers start somewhere. And, you know, your Mark Johnsons, your John Gosden, your Michael Stout all started somewhere. And I'm, I'm no doubt when they started, it would have been, well, they've got a good horse, can they make it pay? And this year with this particular horse, for, for this particular trainer, Richard Hughes, the test is going to come. Yeah, this um, this could certainly be a flagship horse for Richard Hughes, and I'm obviously I'm with Peter on this one. Certainly a horse to follow. Moving on to the fifth horse in our list, it's Breathalyzed, trained by Tom Dascom. Why why is this one caught your eye, Peter? Well, this is I mean we were sort of moving into sort of a couple of handicap ones now, and this is a horse I can see running well around Chester, and you know, it's not going to win classics or anything like that, but. The form has worked out quite well from one of the uh, Chester uh, races. I think I, I actually backed the one it beat. We tried to give it eight pounds, and I'm trying to look at my notes to remember um, which one it was. And I just think this is a horse that is well handicapped, will win races, you know, in Haydock or Chester, and is one to, to keep a note of. And, and obviously, the trainer, Tom Dascom, is a trainer to, to follow in, in, in that part of the country. And when we do get racing there, he'll he'll have a number of horses. And I just like the way um, it actually performed last season in August Company. And I think it's one handicapped. I think that's what I'm more looking at than sort of class angles. I'm just trying to find the horse. Uh, yeah, there was a horse called um, Berkshire Rocco, who was actually a decent horse, I think, uh, for Andrew Baldin. And they're trying to give it six pounds. That was back in August. So race only 85 was my point, and I just think there's a few handicaps there that could be won with with, with Riffinov. Yeah, it's interesting that that runner actually, of Andrew Bollings, actually went on to run in a, a Group 3 at, at Newmarket <coughs> and was finished third. I actually ran a really good race, rated in the 90s. Um, do, you think you'll be, do you think you'll stay a mile, Riffinov's Pete? Yeah, I think that probably be the... Yeah, yeah that could be a question. I've, I've put here actually in brackets around the mile, so yeah, seven furlongs to a mile. Um, it, it, it can, and I think probably maybe the softer side are good also. So it might be a, a horse that will do well on um, rain softened ground. Okay. What are your thoughts, Chris, on Breathalyze? Um, yeah, I think it's great that Pete's not looking at all the group horses and the horses are going to be competing at the higher end of things. Um, Breathalyze, he's by a horse called Baited Breath, who may maybe a couple of years ago, wasn't the most popular stallion, but he actually had three Royal Ascot winners last year. Um, he had Dyer, uh, Space Traveller, and uh, Biometric that saved the bookies. Uh, I can't remember the name of the handicap now. Um, the one that beat Frankie uh, on Turgenev, but I could see him maybe going for a handicap like that at Royal Ascot. We, we, we don't know, but I could see him maybe going for those races at, at at Chester where he's already been for most of his racing life. That's where Tom Daskin. And also, I think, I'm also the angle of being gilded as well. I think I make note of here that it's been gilded and I, and I like horses that have been gilded. I, I, I 
do follow that angle quite a bit actually because there's, there's obviously some quirks there um for it to be gelded no definitely i i think it's i think it's always a positive sometimes if they do it halfway through a season it can yeah. it can just like take the sting out of the horse and might it might take them a few runs to get over that so if they do it before racing even starts or they've done it before it's even gone to the track then they don't have to worry about that later on okay so you're both quite keen on this one one for the notebook moving on to one that could potentially win a pattern race this year it was actually mentioned in our betting preview and some um the guineas one of our latest podcasts is thunderous by mark johnson i know jake and chris were all over this one um how, how did this one stand out for you peter what's your views well again you know it's a horse that, that, that's won at doncaster i think it won at red car uh listed event at newbury the, the, this is a kind of horse that mark johnson just absolutely does really well with and you can expect a lot more improvement this year there was a boarding horse in that race that actually came to challenge and i can't remember the name of it but it looked like it was going to actually collar uh thunderous mm. and then it just quickened away again and so so any sort of up you know any up in distance that mark johnson decides to do i think it's definitely gonna gonna sue it's gonna improve i mean again i think it was tell because of injury towards the end of last season he's just also i've i've heard that he actually thinks quite a lot of this one too so whether it can go through the ranks as well is a, is a, is a strong possibility, and I th- I think, you know, when when the trainer gets four or five wins a season out of a particular horse, which he does quite often, I think this one could be one of them. What about yourself, Chris? Are you you're obviously still with Thunderous. Yeah, no, I like him as a horse. I'm just intrigued what trip he might run. Um, I've wondered if they might keep him at a mile or if he could go further. He's actually got. A, an Epsom Derby entry, and I was just wondering, maybe, maybe, but because he's already won at listed level, you, sometimes every year you're looking for those three-year-olds that Mark Johnson's going to have, aren't you? And those big handicaps that might start out in the high eighties, and then by the time the end of the season comes, they've racked up four or five wins, they've gone to all the big festivals, and then they're rated in the low one hundreds. I thought maybe he could maybe fit into that mould, but I don't, I don't know what his starting mark would be if he did run in handicaps. Um, yeah, I think the trip is the key to him and and how he'll go. Ashley, as well, if you go back and watch his form, he's not a flashy type. He's just a typical Johnson battler that yeah. prominent, didn't win by big margins, but got the job done. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the distance. I mean, potentially maybe an eclipse horse could be okay. Um, and he maybe step up even further if there's more improvement there. Could he potentially be a ledger horse moving forward? Maybe next season. You, it's certainly not out of the possibilities. Um, certainly but, um, I think yeah, he's certainly one to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. Moving on to our second, Mark Johnson, or his clogmaker, Peter. Yeah, and again, Mark Johnson, you know, is a is a trainer that. Looking back on my stats from last year, I I, I think I'm, he's one of the few trainers that I made a profit. I know I did make a profit with quite a few, but he's one that I really do take notice of um, because I just think he can he, he continues to improve horses. And generally, you know, unless they 
old tap first time, you can get generally good prices for a Mark Johnson horse, you know, whether they take him to Brighton or you take him down to Bath or whatever. And a clockmaker, even though we sort of only won novice stakes on the all-weather, I just think this is another one. The only question for me would be, is clockmaker going to be an all-weather specialist? That would be the only question. We haven't seen um, a horse, which is rated 82, take on take on better handicappers on the turf. But I, I just think the way it's won, I had a good word for a horse in the race where it beat Lexington Storm for Richard Hannon, who actually didn't run that well next time out, if I remember rightly. Um and it won quite well that day. Then it tried, then it gave five pounds to a horse called Wanda, which is not which is not exceptional form. But again, it's it's one of these things that up to a mile, this horse could be pretty decent and clock up a few wins. I'm not looking for Frankles every time I pick out top twenties. I'm looking for horses that I think will win races during the course of the season. And Clockmaker to me fits into that category. I would even the handicapper's going to do maybe mid eighties. He's got. Was eighty two at the moment, so that's a good handicap mark, you know. Um, come out of novice company, I think. I, I, I stand to be corrected, but I, I think it's been rated eighty two. So, you know, like Chris said, you know, if you get a horses that he gets from eight, rated eighty into the early one hundreds, that gives you, you know, four or five wins during the course of the season if you can get this horse to the low hundreds. Yeah, I certainly agree with you on the old weather angle. Um, certainly want to keep us on on the right side of. What about what about yourself, Chris? Yeah, it's definitely one of the horses from Johnson's Yard to follow. Um, what I found quite interesting, this horse actually ran at Haydock on its debut behind Pierre Lapin, uh, who's a horse of Roger Verin's that I will be keeping my um, eyes definitely focused on when we do get racing and think he could be top class. And then there, there was a bit of a break until uh, running, obviously, on the all-weather throughout the winter. Um, yeah, Clogmaker, I think... You've just got to take note, really, of all Mark Johnson's sources and handicaps and just see what the profile. But he's got, like we've already spoken about, the potential to improve them 15, 20 pounds in a season. And they'll be running sometimes like every week or every two weeks. He do, he's, he do, he won't shy away from just keeping, uh, keeping on running them. He'll, um, he'll just keep putting them out there because he, he thinks that it's just better for the horse's development just to get as much race practice as possible and... Yeah, Clogmaker could fit the bill as one of those handicappers to follow. Always trying the famous motto. I um I actually find them quite difficult to catch, Mark Johnson, from a betting point of view. Um, but this is certainly one I think. One thing you can do with Mark Johnson, unlike uh, many trainers, is follow the market. I don't know if there's a batch of insiders there that 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 know, but I I do notice that with Mark Johnson's horses. They do drift quite alarmingly if they're not fancied. And a couple that I had back last year that I did think had good chances that didn't win would, would have been five to uh, maybe, you know, nine to four, drifting out to five to one in some cases even more, and they didn't show up. And you've got, um, so I do think that they are a very savvy stable to follow for the money. I talked about ones that drift, but they're also very canny with ones that come in as well, especially with two-year-olds. Uh, so they are they are ones to watch in the market, I think, and quite late in the day too. Maybe they need to update that motor then, Pete, as well. It reminds me also, while we're on the subject of trainers to follow for money, 
and it, it doesn't actually feature many of my top 20 to follow. I mean, there's another trainer called, uh, which everyone knows is Mick Shannon. I find that I, it's in sellers, I, I make a little bit of money out of uh, Mick Shannon in sellers, but his horses also really do move with the market. They'll either come in or they or they're drift. There's a number of trainers. Maybe we can have this topic for another uh, another time. But trainers to follow when money's coming in and when they drift. And Mick Shannon, Mick Shannon's another one that I've noticed. Horses that drift anomaly that come absolutely nowhere. There's actually a trainer that we're going to discuss near near the end of the twenty that I think this this fits the profile perfectly. Um, yeah. And it's not John Butler or Barney Carley, but uh, <laughs> just to wrap this up, I mean. A clockmaker by Mark Johnson, certainly one to keep an eye on. And as Peter Finch says, watch the money. And to round up our Mark Johnson horses to follow, the last one is Overwrite. Yeah, I mean, this one wouldn't stand off the page because, again, you could pick out 20 of them for Mark Johnson that could potentially improve. This one is rated 85, I do believe. And again, when you're running and winning at Brighton, you've got to ask yourself, what are you beating? But I was I was very impressed again um, with the way it won at Brighton. It should have won at Chester. I think it was three lengths clear and softened ground. Must have gone very short in running and was caught at Chester. And just it's, it's interesting that he did. And Mark Johnson's horses do tend to go on good to firm and firm going. But this one seemed to be, and I don't know if there's any coincidence in this, did seem to be running on sort of softish ground. And there's a number of, to be honest with you, there was a number of Mark Johnson horses that I could have included. Um, but this was one that I think, again, could wake up a, a few wins, uh, maybe maybe during the latter part of the season, but certainly one to one. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Are you, are you a fan of this one? Um, <coughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be keen to see where he appears. Uh, I thought his Brighton win was quite interesting. Actually, when Pete sent over his list, I was like, oh, really? Um, but uh, I, had, I had a look. But, um, yeah, no, I was impressed with his Brighton win. Not sure if he beat too much that day. But, again, he's going to be... you just got to look at Mark Johnson horses. And I, I'm actually thinking that when we do get um, racing again, he's a stable that I'll be following from the get-go. You know his horses most of the time are going to be fit first time out um and he, he's definitely a stable that you want to keep on side throughout the season but i think he could get off to a good start actually when we when we get racing i don't know, I don't know if it's a key thing um but the ones that are probably most vocal about getting back to racing i don't know if it's a it's a, a selfish thing but they're probably the ones that are more likely to get the winners early doors and Mark johnson is probably one of them yeah, that's a really good point, um, especially with early season two-year-olds. I think Archie Watson, it's going to be an interesting season for him because he yeah. usually bangs them out straight away. And how the and again, bookmakers price them up sorry, as well. Sorry to interrupt you, Marcus, but we talked about trainers that are, are horses the world back when I talked about Mark Johnson. And we'll talk about Archie Watson uh, later. He's another one. Um, you know, it's overpriced, actually, the night before, when because I, I do a lot of my bit the night before. Archie Watson horses that... A four to five, eight to eleven the night before. I mean, you can find. I hate the word value, but it's not value. It's ma- matter of horses to beat his ones because the bookmakers are so afraid of a trainer like Archie Watson with five, six furlong sprinters that you get good prices on. So, and I made a lot of money out of not backing Archie Watson's ones, but the second or third favourites because there were such good prices. And on the book, would beat them. Anyway, you know. Well, that's an interesting angle. There's a cash machine right there from Peter Finch. Take yeah. note. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's the that's the key going. The Archie Watson horses are going to be priced up right now, and uh, so that wraps up the Mark Johnston free to follow. Moving on to I mean, legendary trainer here, Sir Michael Stout's highest ground. Yeah, I just wondered, Chris, is this the one that you were talking about earlier? Uh, what as a derby? No, no. Oh, I, I, uh, okay, we'll find out later on then. I just think with with Sir Michael Stout, like so many trainers, I mean, I watched this race from the start, and how it won, I do not know because Ryan Moore, another shock jockey, that would have been advised, take it easy, don't go too mad, and it's come and it's it's come out of draw uh, the eleven draw, lost about four lengths at the start. Run on towards the end, and it couldn't have won more easier. Um, I see this son of Frankel being in top races a mile, mile and a half. There's, uh, there's sort of stamina and the influence of uh, Galileo, Sattler's Wells. It's 20 to 1 for the Derby, I think. I could be wrong. Um, and I was fairly impressed with this one on the basis that Sir Michael Stout just does not have first time out winners that win that easy. That's an interesting angle. Um, Chris, what's your view on this one? Um, I yeah, I totally agree with Pete. I really like this horse, and you you have to go back and watch the race replay because he did really blew that start. But I've never really thought about it until I watched this race. He actually looked like Frankel um, in the closing stages. Actually, in his appearance and what he looked like. Sometimes when you look at the breeding, you don't think horses are going to look like their their mums and dads. But he actually did. He did remind me of Frankel in, in those closing stages. The way he just pulled away, and that wasn't a bad racy one either. And it's quite interesting that Michael Stout sent him to Leicester. He doesn't have too many runners there. Um, you would have thought if it was one of his better horses, he probably would have sent it to, to Newbury, like sending some of his uh, newcomers to Newbury. You probably would have sent it to market. So the fact he sent it to Leicester was a bit odd. I'm not sure if he surprised I think, also, I think also you have to take notice of when Ryan Moore travels north of Watford to ride on for some Michael Stout. <laughs> just yeah. another you know, graphical thing that I've noticed that Ryan Moore obviously rides a lot in Ireland, but he does ride a lot south as well. So once he does go to the Midlands for, for a ride for uh, Michael Stout, then I think another one that you need to take notice of. Another interesting angle from two shoes punters here. Take note. Um, I actually remember seeing that that race on, and it was mightily impressive from highest ground. and done everything wrong and still absolutely hosed up. I mean, this this could be special. Number 10 is one of Chris Loder's favourite trainers, Roger Charlton's Legani. But we'll start, we'll start with Peter Finch. Why, why do you like this one? Well, again, <laughs> we talked about trainers that have um, not so great records of first-time outers. And when they do win first-time out, you have to take notice. And this, this one, I think, will get better with age. I'm not necessarily... Uh, thinking that we'll see the best of this one this year. It could well be next year or the year after. Um, it was a win of a nice maiden at Newmarket. You know, I think it's going to be a really good three-year-old, four-year-old. Mother got better with age. The ground, I think, was softish when it when it ran. And, I mean, it just come on the outside and stayed and won particularly well. So, these are the trainers horses that I take notice of when, when they when they do well right at the beginning of their careers, when when you know for a fact the horse is going to get better and better. 
And you do know, looking through the pedigree, that this one will get better and better and better. It did look like a, a strong novice stakes at Newmarket. I mean, you know, Aidan O'Brien sent over Cates, which was very strong in the bed of Kirby um, well, that day. But certainly one... For me, I mean, the weight came on the outside. I, mean, I think it won quite comfortably. And as it, as you see, as it steps up and trip, I can see more and more improvement. Um, I think it could definitely be better than Handicap Company. Um, what about you, Chris? What, what's your views on Legani? No, I think it did the job well for Roger Charlton. Uh, it's, you say about the the maiden it won. The, the second was the Roger Varian horse. The third was a Gosden horse. And the fourth was Aidan O'Brien. So we're talking about top trainers represented in that race and uh, and sometimes we a lot of these horses that we've been talking about have won their maidens quite impressively but don't forget to always look at these horses that sometimes finish in behind because they probably a lot of them weren't going to be ready first time out and they're going to be projects uh, for later on down the line so that's always something to look at just something I thought we should mention but uh, yeah this Lugani it looks like he could be a nice horse going forward is it in the same colours as uh did he have a horse Roger Chapman called Decorated Knight a couple of years ago? Um yeah. that that was a that was a good group horse. And it could be again, same similar kind of horse. I think I think that horse got better with age. I think he was about five by the time we were seeing the best of him. So it'd be interesting to see where we see this horse in the future. But yeah, just just one to keep in the tracker for And and with Roger Charlton, we is another trainer I mean, he's extremely patient with horses. I mean, you have patience and you have extreme patience. And Roger Charlton fits into the latter category. I mean, you only have to look at a horse like Al Kazim, who went on to, you know, probably run to about seven or eight at least. Um, before, obviously, come came back as well. I think as well. He didn't have all, all the things in the in in the in, in the locker in the locker, if you know what I mean. Uh, in terms of being able to uh, go to stud, so um, it's a horse I, I I think a lot of, and I think again, don't be too concerned if it doesn't go out and win several races this year. But I think it'll be a horse to watch over the next couple of years. Okay, and moving on to quadlateral. Uh, another Richard, and moving on to another Roger Charlton runner, Quadlateral. It's very, very short in the Oaks Bang at the moment. Uh, yeah. What do you think of this one, Pete? Again, I um, look at this horse and I think it done well to win over seven furlongs in a mile. I think again, there's there's pedigree in there. I mean, that that race, if you look back on previous winners of that race, that race has been won by horses like Lawrence, Rudendendron, Minding, Together Forever. You know, so it, it's got that base in particular has thrown up a load of good winners. And, and I, I, I suspect we'll see this um, filly over a longer trip. And that's where collateral will, will do better. Because it, it was just the way, I mean, it did look beat at Newmarket. And then suddenly in the last half a furlong, found a stride and, and quickened away. So any plus distance is uh, this year is going to be beneficial. The only question I would have is, I talked about the patience with Roger Charlton, is that will this horse be ready first time? And that would be my slight concern. Because again, talk about the patience thing, um, there's plenty of races to be won with a horse like this. And is the Oaks going to come too soon? I don't know if there's a prep race in line, because I don't know if you know, but um, that would be my only concern. 
she was very impressive at Newmarket, very, very game. She's currently a best price 8-1 to one for the Oaks. Would that interest you, that, that sort of price, Peter? It would, only based on the fact that I've just had that slight reservation in my mind where we see the best of her at that point in time. Um, and, and the problem with this is, as I said because of her before, is that normally March, April, May, trainers can be quite selective in what horses or races they go to. Obviously, a lot will go for the same races, but you don't get the big guns clashing as early as that normally. But what you're going to get when they all run is they're all running and you don't really know what form they're in. And that that's the big question mark with a race like this. Chris, what's your thoughts on quadlateral? Has it changed since last week at all? No, I'm still, I'm still against her, especially for the uh, one thousand guineas, which she'll she'll definitely be lining up in. Um, uh, Roger Charlton, he's he's a good trainer, but I, he's not. This isn't the kind of horse that I like. I like him with. I like him with a with an older type of a horse. Um, I don't. I don't even want to go back actually to that Philly Smile because I was on that powerful breeze and I thought that horse was going to win for Hugo Palmer, and I was on it at a good price as well. I think I was on like seven to one. So I was, I was, absolutely gutted when she just lost on the line. Uh, but you have to admire what Quadrilateral did to get out of all the traffic and and still win. Uh, it was impressive. But the the one thousand guineas we touched upon it in on our guineas preview that. It's a race that normally throws up a big price winner, and that's why I went for my selection. You can go back and watch that podcast. I'm not going to give it away, um. But uh, yeah, a quadrilateral. I think she could be an eyesore still later on, maybe in the season. But I'd be keen to oppose her early, and I wouldn't touch her with a barge pole for the one thousand guineas. And to be fair, um, Christopher, nor would I. But. You know, later on in the season, over because I, I think the fans, even though it'd be running at a strong pace, I still think they're going to be speedier types in the thousand guineas. Over the longer distance, it will be interesting because I think it, this this one could be a bit more about stamina than speed. Um, but it will be interesting as the season goes on. Both the judges have spoken, both against quadrilateral win and a place lay as well. Or am I getting a bit ambitious here? <laughs> Get I'm against her in the thousand guineas, mm. but I'd be very interested. I can I suspect that you'll see us running on, uh, and that would give okay. you a good indication of the of the the distance that will be more suited at a later date. I think. Okay, so one for maybe the following season. Uh, moving on to our next horse, uh, number twelve on the list is one of one of my favourite trainers, Charlie Appleby. Uh, Boys in blue, it's Al Sahil. Yeah, we'll, we'll do 12 and 13 together because, again, uh, these both are, are, are Charlie Appleby. Okay. Again, pretty much like the Gosdens, pretty much like the O'Briens that we discussed earlier, there could be horses that come out of nowhere and suddenly there's a superstar. So it's very hard to pick two horses or three horses from a particular tra- trainer for those kind of stables because you just do not know what's lurking. The most important thing is I don't think even they probably know what's lurking, if you know what I mean, until they make the race course. So when you're making these decisions, um, you're, you're basing it a little bit on what you've seen last year and what the potential is. And, and with Al Sahel, 
I just saw sort of potential to, to, to be bred to come more his own over sort of one mile two, one mile four this year. I think that will improve. And then skipping to, to Eastern World, and maybe we can talk about this both together. I thought that's another one. I always look at Dubois win at two or come close to winning at two. This one came close, I, I do believe, to, to winning. Half brother to fund the, fund the snow. So, you know, the, the potential is definitely there, more so probably with, with Eastern World. So they're the two that I've sort of marked out, but we could have we could have picked out a few. But the Eastern World second uh, to Starcat at Kempton, those three that sort of went clear at Kempton, I think all three horses to follow. But I think Eastern World could be a potential star going forward with Charlie Appleby. Dallas Hill form at Newmarket, the Buy Autumn Stakes, um, just behind Military March. I think that form is very, very strong. And obviously, Military March is one that I've signed Ben Sarur's that we're actually going to talk about next. Uh, they pulled well clear of the third rope guest. Um, obviously, we'll just ask for Chris, what was your view on Alsa Hill to start with and then the Eastern? Yeah, a horse that I like. I think ground could be quite key to Alsa Hill. Um, actually, on the dam side, is related to uh, Scirocco Star. Um, whose horses love a bit of cut in the ground and that autumn stakes against military march was in quite testing ground if I remember it was certainly on the soft side I think a lot of rain round I remember that time of year um, but yeah also Hell is a horse that I'd like to keep on side for this season had good form as well behind positive in the Solario stakes positive was a horse that had good form lines in some of the top group ones last season for Clive Cox. So, yeah, definitely a horse to keep on side. And Eastern World, um, I really like the horse, actually, that beat it, Starcat, for, for Huey Morrison. We'll talk about another horse on this list that uh, beat one of Pete's uh, selections, but um, that's from Huey Morrison Yard. But, yeah, um, I think uh, Eastern World is definitely going to be a horse to uh, to watch. But, yeah, Starcat would have been, been the one from the race that I would have picked out because... The way that he just kicked on, I thought it was very impressive. But Eastern World, to his credit, that day he did stick on well, and uh, yeah, he's definitely a horse to uh, look at when he uh, makes his seasonal reappearance. I agree with both of you on both Charlie Alpha's runners here. I think uh, definitely ones to keep on side, and I do think that that run at the format new market is very very strong. With the one we're going to go into next is Military March Saipan Surur. Um, Pete, is it, is, it, is it that form at Newmarket so I put this one up or is it just a potential yeah, angle? Uh, no, no, absolutely. Um, and also looking at the trainer, he's, he's a funny one side. Um, he's one that I, recent years, you talked about Mark Johnson finding hard to get winners. I find him quite difficult to read because you just don't know. I mean, it used to, it used to be a good line on his horses because they always used to come good sort of in back-end maidens and September and October, but now it's it's a, it's a little bit more difficult to weigh up. What I did take note of is he won that particular race in 2016 with Best Solution, so he would obviously have targeted that race. It's a son out of new approach out of a, a, a out of a, an Oaks winner, and I just think the further that horse went, the better. The ground again. I'm uh, with Christopher on my house of how it was running sort of softest ground towards the end. Is that going to play a dividend? But I, I, I um, there was a lot of pointers from me that this one could be one to watch. Um, at what point of the season, I do not know, but I think he's definitely one to, 
those two in that particular race, I think I always take note, and it's always the advice actually when you're watching horse racing that when a horse wins by so much distance, you know, they are normally above average. And I think this one could well be. It's an interesting point what you made on Saipan Surah, um, especially with the late season two-year-olds. I mean, they're a good example, maybe three, four seasons ago, maybe five uh, before Chris Loder's time. But uh, there was always an angle for me. Um, they were usually quite short in the betting and most of them needed the run. I think he went 36 two-year-olds without training a winner one season as well, runners. Um, bit of value to be had there, but I think maybe they've changed their, their training regime or something because they, they have been banging them in um, of late. Um, what do you make of that new market form, Chris, the military march? Yeah, I think um, th- this is the derby horse for me. Okay. Yeah. It's the derby horse. Uh, yeah, it's I, rude. I, 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 I get what people are saying about Saeed Bin Sura, but I think this is the best horse he's had for a while. Ben Battle is probably the best horse he's had. And is he trainer of Thundersnow? Maybe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Those are the two best horses he's had in recent times. But I think this is the best younger horse he's had on his hands for quite a while. Um, I think the way that he battled against Elsa Hale and got the better of him, he was doing all his best work late. And Oshin Murphy was aboard that day, and I've noticed that when he rides for Godolphin, he often rides for Saeed. Um, I actually find as well that a lot of his horses, when they win, they're a bit of a price first time out, and not, uh, for some reason I don't know why, but I always seem to catch him right. <laughs> I always seem to get the, the uh, get catch him right, and uh, military march. Um, I just think the further he goes, the better. He's got a lot of stamina in his pedigree, by new approach as well, which um won the derby. So you'd like to think if he did head there, that he he could probably handle the track okay. Um, and the ground wouldn't worry me either because he actually won first time out on good ground over seven furlongs. So he's handled best of both worlds. And um, yeah, I, I just there's just something about military march. I think the derby is where he's going to go. If he runs well in a trial, and he's definitely going to be on my shortlist. And at the current time when we did our preview, I think he was the best value for the derby. He's currently an eight to one chance now, so someone was listening. Yeah, he's twenty to one, I think, when we recorded. Yeah, he's, he's been clipped. Um, he's, he's, well, he's eight to one now, best priced. Would you rather be on military march eights or the Gosden one that I've had a good word for Waldenig at twelves? Well, I'd rather be on highest ground at twenties. Um, at the price for some much that if if he goes for that. And then it would be the Gosden one and then Military March in that order. Okay. This is the problem, you see, when you're picking out horses to follow, is they're all going to run up against each other early part of the season. Hopefully when we get more meetings back, they'll be play at different places. But that's what makes this a little bit more difficult to normal years is because the first time or the second time we're likely to see them is running against each other. So, but if you, you know, if you, if you wanted to push me in a corner... I would prefer at the prices to go with a certain Michael Stout one. Okay. That's interesting because Pinatubo is unlikely to run anyway. So the three of them are going to get clipped <coughs> in. I mean, Military March could potentially go off 11 to 4, I think, around that sort of price. Um, or Waldenegg, 5 to 1. I think the, and I know that we're against Pinatubo, Chris. Um, and again, he's Anna Darby. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on that angle. Uh, moving on to our next runner, we've got a Roger Varian hot pot here. 
yeah, want I mean, to fight. Yeah, these next couple uh, um, are not really worth spending loads of time on. It's just uh, it's just horses again. Roger Ferrin is another trainer that I highly respect. I used to, and I don't know why he doesn't do this anymore, but when he used to apply the hood for the first time or used to put blinkers on for the first time or any kind of um, eye shield or whatever, there was a good betting angle there. But in recent years, since he's got the better horses, he, he's not tending to do that. But it used to be a terrific angle. But anyway, um, with Monifar, I just I, I like the fact that, it, again, I'm looking at sort of being by Dabawi and the fact that it's likely to get better with age. Uh, not ended up, I don't think, for any classic races, but I was impressed um, with the way it won, and I think it's likely to be above average. But I had to pick a Roger Varian one. I could have picked some obvious ones, but that one was one of the least obvious ones. I just think that that could win a few races this season. Yeah, he was very warm in the betting that day. I mean, 8 to 11, Chelmsford race. Um, some good, some, like the form actually looks okay there. Some top trainers running in that race. Um, Gosden had Majestic Noir. Um, I don't think is a bad sort. It uh, could potentially be the high 90s. Um, what's your views on this Roger Varian runner, Montefiore? Or have you, have you swayed for another one, Chris? I quite liked him um, for uh, in the race that he won at Chelmsford. He did a lot wrong that day, actually. He was, wasn't in a great position, but the ride Jim Crowley gave to, to, to it was just hands and heels, um, which shows you that I think this horse could be special moving forward. I also as well like it. I like some of the, the Sheikh Mohammed um, runners with Roger Varian. It's sometimes... You don't normally associate him with that stable. You think of maybe uh, Gosden and and some of the other powerhouse stables. But yeah, Roger Varian does have some nice horses in these colours. And yeah, it'll be interesting. Again, we, we don't know where he's going to go. But yeah, one to, to definitely watch next time because he, okay. he, he could be star quality. Sorry, looking back on that race, Jim Crowley was about to bring out the win mm. and he didn't do because he was challenging the one in front. He was just about to get a whip, and then it found that little bit extra. And as you say, it just hand pills. You just, if you watch that race again, just about to do whip, and then he just thinks, well, all I need to do is push it out. This is a, could be anything category, but I think um, Roger Varian is definitely a trainer to, to, to follow, and he'll have a number of horses. But, if, you know, if I wanted to pick one off field, that's why I went with this one. Pretty much like the next trainer we're going to discuss as well. So moving on to our next one, another top trainer, William Haggis, uh, cold front. Why would you like yeah. this one, Pete? Well, again, he's a trainer that I could have put two, 10 up. And I've just, you know, he's probably got a number of horses. He, I watched his interview with him actually on, on racing TV. He's normally not so bullish as, as he seemed to be when he'd been interviewed this year. Because last year he was complaining that some of the horses were a bit backward. This year he seems much more confident. I think he might be one trainer to actually watch early on he normally comes um there's a newbie meeting and and, and he does well at, at york as well which is a little bit later on in the season but i think he might be ready to gear up quite early and it was just i i was i mean the only one who backed cold fun for when it won when it run last year um in running i think it was matched actually 1.01 in running and got caught by a um simco source which can't remember the name, maybe Christopher will remember, but it looked like it was going to win. 
and it didn't. It just got caught on the line. So I think this is another one which has got a promising debut and could fit into the anything category, but it could be one that um, the trainer will find a few wins for during the course of the season. Yeah, I was actually on call front that day. No surprise. <laughs> Must have killed a priest in a past life, me. But uh, yeah, very unlucky. But maybe maybe next time out, maybe maybe got a chance. But what about yourself, Chris? You wouldn't have been on. You probably would have been on the winner, no doubt. I know what you were like. Oh, the Huey Morrison oh, horse. Morrison horse, Christopher. Yeah, that's what I said earlier. I like the Huey Morrison horses and a trainer yeah. to follow this year. Got some nice horses on his hands and I think they're quite confident about telecaster they've got him in a good place so he'll be one to watch obviously won the dante last year but then didn't then after the derby i don't think he was seen again um but it'd be interesting to see what he does but keep him on side yeah these colors you should watch them with william haggis i was just searching uh, whilst pete was talking there what does the name of the horse they had apart from miss o'connor and it's one master um is the other horse they've got in these colors that they do really well with. Yeah, Cold, Cold Harbour that day looked like the winner. But I think the ground's going to be key to him because if you actually go back and watch the race at one point, the visibility isn't so good in the replay. It's one of those where the commentator did a good job on the day and, um, yeah, it looked like the winner all the way, didn't he? Um, but uh, I think, yeah, the, the better the ground, the better ground would probably suit him. Yeah, but he's going to be horse to keep on side. Uh, did, did they mention any targets at all? Maybe Commonwealth Cup, maybe a race like that could... Yeah, possibly. I mean, I haven't really seen any any major entries. Um, that doesn't surprise me. It might just be a horse um, that can be set for those kind of targets. And they'll... He's actually got a prep run, Pete, uh, lined up for the second June at Kempton, six furlongs. But obviously, there's a lot of entries, so see, yeah, see if he yeah. gets in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But as you say, it could be, be a lot of Yeah, I'm sure I see it was not over 300 <laughs> horses to, trying to get a run at Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely crazy. But uh, moving on to one of my favourite trainers, Archie Watson's uh, it's a Higher Kingdom. That's the yeah. one you like. Uh, it's funny, actually, when this horse actually won at Kempton, um, I had a really strong word um, from my source within the yard. Uh, two words, steering job, and obviously uh, easily obliged. Um, they really like this horse. Um, passing on the info here, Pete. But I take yeah. it you're really, really impressed with, with that Kempton performance. Yeah, I mean, I discussed earlier that I think many horses can be over-bet over the night before for Archie Watson. Sometimes it's very hard to find one of his ones at a nicer price that you can win. I mean, this was also an example of that. I mean, they hacked up at, hacked up at Kent. And I, don't correct me uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was odds on, but it might have been... 8 to 11. 8 to 11 yeah. when it was on. Um, Son of Kingman. It just, it's got so much scope as well. But I think, you know, for these kind of distances seven furlongs a mile, I, I think it's going to be a pretty good one to follow. Archie Watson's going to have a number of two-year-olds um, that we've not even seen yet that we don't, you know, obviously put back a bit because of the COVID situation. But again, he's going to have a number of horses. But if I had to pick one that I was really impressed with, it would be um, High Kingdom. And he does well Clipper Logistics um, horses as well because uh, looking at the figures, I mean, it's 10 from 37, I think, last season. So they, obviously, with the owners and the trainer, they do well. And I think this this horse is going to be very good. Certainly, an interesting thing, I think, is that uh, it, it ran quite late as well. I mean, it wasn't like a stereotypical early season two-year-old for yeah. Archie Watson. So they did keep him, keep him to late season. Um, and I know they do think very highly of him. 
Um, are you are you on board as well, Chris? Are you yeah. against him? No, I, I really like like this horse. You should definitely go back and watch a replay. Very um, easy, easy, comfortable winner. Um, and Pete hit the nail on the head there with Clipper Logistics. I think these are the best owners that Archie's got in his yard. Soldier's Cool is the biggest winner he's had so far, I think, in his training career, if I'm right in thinking, um, in, in these colours. Uh, so they obviously send some of their best horses to Archie. Um, yeah, I think this Higher Kingdom... Being the son of Kingman as well is a is a sire that's really coming to the fore now. I think after Galileo, isn't there? They're, they're looking, the world's looking for that next sire in the bloodstock department. I think there's been a lot of hopes Frankel can be that sire. But, uh, yeah, there's no reason why Kingman can't challenge him on that score. But, uh, yeah, this horse, definitely, um, definitely one to uh, follow. I'm certainly in agreement with that. And moving on to one of the top northern trainers, Richard Fahey's custodian, number 18 on the list. What's what's made this yeah, one stand out for you? It's not really, I mean, it's a trainer that um, up north will win, a bit like what we said earlier on with Breathalyze, Tom Baskin. Richard Fahey will have plenty of winners. And it, custodian was a horse that um, looked to me uh, as an improver next year. And I think that will find a few wins during the course of the season. I mean, the Pontic fact, I think, is very good. Okay. Uh, what about yourself, Chris? Were you impressed with that one at Pontefract? Yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought it did a good job. I think it wasn't a, an easy horse first time out to get right, but it seems like they got to the key key with him and he wasn't seen again after his Pontefract win, which I think was in the August of that time. So they might think he's going to be a better horse going forward. But yeah, um, Richfai, again, another trainer to follow once we get back. And if this horse is out early, yeah, he, he, he could... Uh, he could definitely win some nice races. Yeah, Paul Hannigan won. It was very, very, very cosy, was it, that day? And it's interesting, the second Ainsdale, um, since then, has won three in a row. And most recently, off 89, went very, very com- comfortably in Northern Handicaps at York and Nottingham. Um, and moving on to... So, moving on to our last two, are both trained by the infamous Sir Mark Price Scott. Bookmakers run for the trenches, uh, Battle of Paradise, Peter. Handicap job, have the lot on? Yeah, yeah um, don't have the lot on in, uh, I forget what month we are now, June or July or whatever. Have 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 your mortgage on. No, don't have your mortgage on. Have you got an account that I could use, Peter? Because I don't have any. Yeah, August, no, I haven't. Okay. Um, September, these are the next two ones that um, I sort of pulled out of the bag, if you like, for, for Smart Prescott. Um, I wouldn't bother too much about his two bowls that come out that time either. But I was quite taken. I wouldn't take too much notice of the last one uh, at Newmarket because I just mm-hmm. that was just a, a, a nothing race. And the, the ground, sorry, not the ground, but the course might not have suited um, Battle of Paradise. But I was quite impressed with the way it won at Chest, uh, Chelmsford. Um, you can expect to see this one over further. You're talking mile, mile and a half, mile six. And he does well with these particular horses. Wouldn't surprise me if at some point down the line this could be a hurt of the two. But I just think rated 78, we've not seen the best of um, Battle of Paradise. And I think come August, September, Sir Mark Prescott will have half a dozen horses that will be looking to line up to, to run a sequence. And I think this is going to be one of them. 
The last one, which we're talking about in a minute, will be another one. But uh, that's the way I see it with, with Battle of Paradise. Just out of interest, I mean, you know how Sir Mark does does train them. Are you are you a fan of this running down the field, free runs, yeah, and getting a false handicap mark? Well, yes. I mean, I, I mean, it wasn't so much with this one. It will be more with the, with the last one. But talking in general about um, yeah. the way it is, yes, because I think it's a, it's an angle that he's obviously using. And as a, and, and, and as a someone who, who likes to bet, you've got to look at trainers' angles and use that to your advantage. Now, you do say that um, Prescott horses are well back, but if you look back on the, the ones that I tipped, and I had a good spell August, September, and they were mainly down to him, is a bit like Venetia Williams over the jumps. If you get them at the right time, you're going to get a good price. It's just when it becomes recognisable that he's doing so well. So what I mean by that is, <coughs> if he's had six winners out of 20 uh, runners in August, it's by the time he gets the fifth or sixth one, that's when uh, the books start to be lopsided because everyone's sort of taking notice of it. You've got to nab it quite early on. And it might mean that you might get in a week early, too early. Do, do, do you know what I mean? It's a bit like Venetia Williams, who's been around for going in January. And if you do it in December or you're slightly off, you might have a few losers. On the back of that, you're going to get in before everyone else. And as an astute, I like to think I'm quite astute with gambling. Judge. Judge, yeah. Those kind of things are only picked up. I mean, you, Christopher would know it, you mm. would know it, I would know it, and the percentage of people would know it. But not everyone who bets would know it. So it's only because when anyone starts talking about it, they think, oh, that's, that's put money on this smart press calls. But you might have had six or seven minutes by the time <coughs> the price has become... Irrelevant. And talking about Par- Battle of Paradise, the horse uh, that finished second in that race called Janu. So uh, Michael Stone, yeah. Yeah, won by six lengths next time. And it's now with Doug Watson. So this mark of 78 for Battle of Paradise is going to be exploited to the max by Sir Mark Prescott because it's only run four times. This will go up in the handicap and it'll just tick them off. He may not have. The opportunity to do as much damage as he normally does because come August, September, you normally got these um, six, seven meetings, you've got three in the daytime, four in the evening, and you think, oh, and he sneaks one in at Bath or he sneaks one in at Salisbury or whatever. It might well be that we have two in the day, two in the evening, so it might be easy to find. But again, Sir Mark Prescott was a definite angle that was profitable for me in August, September last year, especially at the start. I think it's certainly one you've got to take note of because the form does look solid. And for me, I mean, the sort of, what I was sort of getting at before, I mean, the, for me, the sort of stereotypical profile is three times, maybe four times down the field over five furlongs stepped up to a mile two, six to four, five to four favourite. For me, you know, I, I couldn't back it because genuinely you don't know if it is a handicap job or the horse is no good, so it'd be no bet for me. But I think with this horse... Um, Battle of Paradise, I genuinely think, I mean, it's one in a novice, novice stake, it's absolutely hosed up, it's seconds, one well, they tried it in a good race at Newmarket, below 80, I mean, this, this could be 100 plus in handicaps moving forward. Um, he's, a, he's a difficult trainer for me, um, I've got mixed feelings about, um, I think he gets, he's sort of seen as the, the punter's friend, whereas if another trainer did it, 
it's you, Twitter sort of blowing up, you know, meltdown. Well, it's no, quite funny to watch, you know. He's got an actually, I'm not for the number, I'm Christopher and Cameron and Sex Sorry, he has horses, but he doesn't have a high number of them. So, so he's maximizing more, what he's got. Yeah, I can understand yeah, where you're coming from. Yeah. It's more obvious because he's, 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 he's renowned for it, but you don't, I, 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 I'll give you another high profile trainer that does it to the max that does not even get noticed, and that is John Gosden. He, he has horses that do not run up to form because but because he's got so many of them they get they don't get recognized so much and he'll have a horse that will <coughs> run three times that has got a great handicap mark because he's, he's planned it do you know what i mean but because we're all focused on the top horses that he's got like stradivarius and enable and stuff like that you don't see what trainers like that do and, and i can assure you you know top trainers do it a lot and Gosden would be one that would be one of the, near the top of my list that's an interesting angle um what about yourself chris your views on sir mark prescott and battle of paradise yeah this is definitely one of those that's got the hallmarks of a of a prescott handicapper one thing he will do as well once he's got to their limit it will just sell them on to be like jumpers i remember he had a couple that i so when I was at uh, Kempton for some of their jump meetings, I think they ran in the Adonis. And I remember them last year, typical Mark Prescott, started out at 60, went up to the mid-80s. And it was quite clear once they got to that level, they're never going to go on and he'll just get rid of them. And that's why he always has horse, the horses in his yard. They're going to win at some point. And, and he's a very slow but patient trainer and we've already touched upon his methods how we'll run them in those maiden races get them well handicapped um and battle of paradise looks like one of those that race he ran in at uh at newmarket that's a good handicap there was a lot of top trainers had some good good horses in that race and he was nine to one that day as well so they obviously fancied him to run well and you can definitely forgive him for that effort, but uh, yeah, it looks like you at least could have ten pound in hand. I I imagine he would be in the high eighties at worst case scenario if uh, if if he's fit and ready to go. You know, he's he's definitely a horse that you like to think is well handicapped. And yeah, Mark Prescott. It's going to be hard to know when his time of year is going to be with all this rescheduling of of um of the racing. But yeah, certainly if if things Go go to plan a few months down the line. I I could definitely see this horse winning, maybe even running in something like the Cesarevich, which is a race I believe he's never won. Timoshenko was the horse I think everyone had their hopes pinned on last year from that yard. Uh, it's a race he desperately wants to win and des desperately would fit his profile. But yeah, I don't think he's won it. But uh, maybe this could be the horse. Maybe could be uh on on the on the radar for that race. But yeah definitely a horse to uh to watch and looking forward to talk about pete's other horse in a sec which definitely yeah. definitely um fills that profile yeah. yeah i agree with both of you on battle of paradise before we go on to probably the, one of the best handicap horses in the country um i just want to say i have a trainers to watch in handicaps and uh, that have not made any of the top 20 would be ed walker and um david simcock especially ed walker who again is one of these trainers that will get two or three runs into them. Um, not underperform is the one word, but we'll, we'll have a lot more potential uh, with them once they go handicapping 
uh, that's another angle that, that I pay quite a lot of attention to. Okay. It's an interesting one. It's certainly one to keep on site. So we think it's maybe got ten pound in hand, Battle of Paradise. And last but not least, the nap, the nap of the year, nap of the century. Um, handicap jobs. Mark Prescott, the heart never lies. Um, the first thing I want to ask is, from a handicapper's point of view, what's he going to give him? Probably. I think uh, I've see, seen a mark for him of fifty-four. I think. Yeah, That's a bit I think, high. Yeah, I, I think you could. I, I thought I made note of 54 or 58, but then I, I can't see it circled anywhere. You could, you could well be right. Yeah, I was <laughs> expecting on form, I was expecting him to potentially be maybe between maybe 48 and 50, but fi- yeah. 54, I mean, this is well, a typical Samar Prescott profile. Yeah, let me give you um, the clues here six furlongs. Yarmouth, Wolverhampton, Kenton, Luke Morris. Um, you know, not the Luke Morris we see when he's winning on some Mark Prescott horses, but basically give him a nice little uh, jog round. Obviously, over an inadequate distance. It's related to Algometer All at Sea and a horse that won over two miles and three furlongs. So, six furlongs is just simply to. Um, get the handicap mark. It's owned by Middle uh, Middle Middleton Park Racing. Cost seventy thousand euros. Um, they know what they're doing. It's basically Miss Rousing is the breeder as well. I mean, I could go on, but you've got a horse there rated fifty four that by the end of the season will probably be rated eighty four. Yeah, the first time out over a mile two, six to four favourite. Horses up well, three times in a week. Maybe, but you might well get, you, you don't know what kind of handicap he puts him in. Obviously, it's going to be a low-grade handicap. But I tell you what, it, this heart never lies. He's not going to finish off the season, you know, barring accidents or anything like that. Kept fit. This horse come October, if we're racing as, as much as we hope to be, this horse is not going to be rated 54. Yeah, the name name doesn't lie. And Peter's getting excited as well. So Yeah, I, uh, well, as soon as the entries are in... Um, yeah, I'll have to make sure the paddy traders are off sack that day or something so we can get a few quid on. But uh, moving on, Chris, is this a handicap job as well? Do you, look good? You'd be disappointed if he didn't at least have ten, fifteen pound in hand, wouldn't you? Um, and you could easily see him getting up a run of three, four wins. That's what Mark Prescott does, you know. He he, he gets his handicap marks that are low for the majority of his horses he likes to get them normally probably between like 50 and 70 doesn't he and then then he'll get about four or five horses that he's got where he wants them at the start and then a lot of these horses as well carry the penalty as well and he's not afraid to chuck them in two or three times in a week and they won't be at your most glorious tracks as well they'll be at your baths they'll be um your wolverhamptons your yarmouths these tracks that Brighton, these tracks that that they're not going to be the most prestigious track, but if you're looking for a winner, n- normally they're going to be there or thereabouts, and normally you can follow them on a run. And there's there's one other thing, Marcus, too, and I didn't mention it in all the pluses and positives that I did a, a, contribute to this particular horse, but after three poor efforts at the back of fields and six furlong races, uh, the choppers have been out, and this one's been gilded too. 
So that's the explanation for the shoes already. Well, they've got that sorted. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, the truth never lies. The heart never lies, mate. The heart never they got, lies. They got the name wrong. They could have had it perfect, couldn't they? But, yeah, um, yeah moving on. That's the, the top 20 from Peter Finch. Uh, take note. I'd take note of all of them. Um, but as you see, we left the best to last on Peter Finch's top 20 to follow. I mean, and I, I know Chris Loder has one additional one that... He's been very eager to get out. He thinks it's a handicap, handicap good thing as well. Yeah. Well, what are we going for, Chris? Just, just talking about trainers that do well in handicaps, Alan King is a trainer to follow yeah. on the flat. N- never underestimate him on the flat. He had one horse last year called... Uh, I'm going to mention two horses here, uh, going over time. But the first horse I'm looking forward to seeing what he does is Trushan, who actually won that handicap that um, Battle of Paradise ran in. He um he went through the handicap ranks very quickly last year, uh won at Fosslass, and then he won um at Newmarket. Then he went to Newbury in a conditions race, and he really fought out deep that day. There was talk of him going for the Triumph Hurdle, um, and obviously he didn't he didn't line up over a, a hurdle, but apparently he had been schooled over hurdles. But he's definitely going to be targeted. I'm pretty sure for some of these staying races. Could be an Ebor horse, um, definitely a horse to note. But the other Alan King horse that I will mention. Now I was just sitting on a on a um, weekday afternoon, just punting away at Bath, and there was a horse, and I thought he looked good, and on on the telly in the parade ring, and his name was, if you can bear with me, Midnight's Legacy. Yeah. No, 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 it's quite familiar colours. Um, for Alan King, normally runs these colours on the flat and the jumps. Finished fifth at Bath on the thirtieth of September, and uh, ran ran on really strongly in the closing stages. Uh, wasn't definitely an eye catcher. I backed him at thirty three to one. Didn't collect any place money, unfortunately. But I remembered to back him next time out, and he absolutely romped home. the The winning margin should have been a lot more than it looked very comfortable and he beat some nice horses from the Johnston, Gosden and Archie Watson yard and the Titanium yard so it was a serious race that he won and um, he, he's a two year old as well and Alan King doesn't have many two year olds and he does well with horses, you might remember Beringer running in some top 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 quality races I just think this, this is another horse been rated 78 he's got to be £15 higher, definitely a horse to keep on side and um, yeah, I will be watching Midnight's Legacy, another handicap job from a trainer that does well in those kind of races. We've got a travel lined up then just to, to wrap things up. There's a horse that I've heard or read up on quite a bit about from Mark Johnson, a horse called Twilight Lucy, uh, that could be a two year old to follow later on in the season. So that might be one to to to, to put into your trackers later on a, a horse called twilight lucy for mark johnston we might actually have to create an OnlyFans account with all these handicapped good things we're creating right here yeah i mean there's also just before we finish i mean there are trainers in here that have not made it you know ed walker as i mentioned uh david simcock uh Morris, david O'Meara, something like that yeah david amira richard hannon kevin ryan talk about trainers to, to, to actually find hard ones with i mean richard hannon to me You'll have, I mean, there was an exceptional one, Mum's Tipple and the horses like that ring a bell for me with Richard Hannon, but he's another trainer that I just can't, I just can't get. Um, as 
trainers that do well for me, but he's not one. Well, listen, guys, it's been great. Um, top 20 from Peter Finch. Um, we'll say gamble responsibly, and we've got two handicap jobs from Chris Loder at the end. Make sure you give us a follow on SoundCloud, give us a follow on Twitter, and also check out Peter Finch's website subscription service. The link will be in the bio with the top 20 to follow. Uh, thanks, guys. Cheers. For more podcasts, please follow our iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify accounts. You can also follow us on social media where our Twitter handle is at In the Saddle Pod, and we're available on Instagram where our username is In the Saddle Global.